Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. And Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. And I can't see either of you this week. I'm just listening to the sounds of your beautiful voices. Oh, you can't see us? Well, I can't see Brittany because her camera is going into OBS, I would guess. And I can't see you because the computer that has Skype and the microphone and everything hooked into it is over here. Mm, <laughs> so if I, I, see, I would I be see. looking over here if I was staring into your Got beautiful it. face. That's okay. I did last week's hat. show without seeing Brittany at all. So it, it can be done. Actually, I think it's been the last two shows. The last two shows I yeah. haven't been able to see you. But you're a goddamn professional and you pulled it off. <laughs> Um, as you guys can tell, I'm no longer in San Francisco. Um, I'm in a, a, what we're calling like the catch-all room, which will become my new office uh, once we get all of the furniture and stuff in place because the studio is definitely a hot, hot mess. In fact, it doesn't exist yet. It is just a garage full of boxes <laughs> of many video games and lights and microphone cables why do we have so many xlr cables this is the thing i discovered <laughs> when you have to pack them all um and hdmi cables i think the last time i counted we have like 57 hdmi Whoa. cables oh my god and i was like why dear god why do we have so many cables i think just it's a in thing. case yeah i feel like we have a lot of we have this is like this rat king of cables we call the bag of tech and we just throw it in the deepest, darkest corner of Jason's closet because we don't even want to go near it. Because I feel like even if we touch it, it's going to explode. But it's full of HDMI cables, other cables that probably don't even work with today's technology. It's just a thing. You know, you can recycle a lot of those cables now. I've been waiting for a cable recycling day to come around again at work, and it hasn't yet. So I just have a garbage bag full of cables that's waiting. For- I didn't know that existed. Yeah. Dang, you should have told me. I could have I could you could have dropped still, it off at no, my house. You still have time if you want to like make a garbage bag. I can take it to work. Nice. <laughs> no, I mean you could have brought it to my house. We had a a service that came oh. today and removed. And they take uh they take e waste. Well oh. shit. So well, you know, listen, next time we'll plan better. But ladies and gentlemen, it feels so good to be back together. I'm sorry about last week. So turns out the studio PC just completely shit the bed. Like <laughs> It blue screened all the way to death. Um, so I have to take it into the Microsoft store tomorrow. I spent several hours trying to triage it. And um, after spending a lot of time on the phone with a very understanding man, um, he was like, you know, I think you just need to rebuild Windows from a boot disk. And I was like, I don't have one of those. He's like, well, you can't build it with your Mac. So I guess you're going to the Microsoft store. <laughs> 
like exactly no it's funny though because he kept asking me questions about the pc and i'm like this isn't like an hp it's a custom-built pc it's full of a bunch of misfit parts i don't really (laughs) even know what's half what's happened that thing yeah so hopefully we'll get it fixed and get all of our archives back i do have backups of most things but i'm sorry about not being on the show last week because it literally we were doing our test record just like we did you know, just like we do every week. And I went to restart because I was getting an audio glitch, which I've had a couple of times before. And then it just would not return to the desktop. It was like, nope, you get blue screen from now until the end of time. Yep. This is why I don't play video games on a PC, everybody. I just can't oh, deal with the pressure. Oh, shit. Shots. But how's the move been going? You're in LA now. Yes. So... Um, it's been going really good. Thankfully, uh, the fine folks at Disney sent us lots of hands to help us with both the packing and the unpacking process. So it's gone relatively smoothly. I, we posted a photo of our new gaming setup. It's not finished. It's so funny. Somebody immediately called us out for cable management. I'm like, it's literally on a folding table, dude. <laughs> like It's yeah. not done yet. <laughs> yeah. I just was desperate to play something. I hadn't booted up Borderlands 3 and everybody's posting about playing and you guys finished gears and I'm behind on that. I have not finished gears. You haven't finished yet. No, Uh, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that later, but it's been going really good. I'm excited to be back and excited to get everything set up. So I'll probably be in this space for a couple of weeks at least until we figure out, you know what the timeline is to getting the studio built, but I'll try to like put something a little fancier on the walls behind (laughs) me. So it's not just like this white wall with nothing. Oh, I love it. But but yeah. So that's uh that's what's been going on with me. How have you ladies been doing? How was last week? I only listened to part of the show. I didn't get through the whole thing yet. It was I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, the I think the highlight was the deep dive on the Colonel Sanders dating. We uh kind of really oh, Yes. That was a good time. We kind of deep dived that and then I was like, Okay, we have to stop this conversation. But it was good. I, you know, learned that Steimer doesn't mind mustaches and that's fantastic yeah i I mean it needs to be the right mustache on the right guy and i love the way you say it mustache you're so fucking fancy Mm. (laughs) a mustache mustache. do you you like the ones that are waxing curled on the ends that that loses me a bit oh that dries the well but you're not into the beard mustache only i like beards okay no i was just saying so in the in the colonel sanders thing I was saying he could lose the goatee and I would be more into it because it would just be like a, a short trimmed mustache. And she was like, oh, no, I hate I hate all the facial hair. And I was like, oh, well, no, no. I would take the goatee. But no, the thing is, which is he, weird that you're like, I would take the goatee. And I'm like, absolutely not. You know what I think it is? I think it <laughs> I think what it is, is like my dad and all the other dads I know in my life that are like above the age of 50 or 60 have mustaches. So when I see a man with a mustache, I just think of old Men, in this case, old Colonel Sanders, and I just cannot, cannot get the chicken greased for that. You know what I mean? Uh, what? <laughs> chicken Jesus. What? Yes. Is this a new saying? Is I this what the, what the hip kids I don't know. Are, uh, just, are referring to? It just came to my brain, and there, there it is. It's now born. I'm, in, I'm into it. I think it's, uh, I think it's great. I, I love you guys. Um, I do think um, you'll maybe get more into it as you age. Just think, just think of how cute Jason will look with like a full like grandpa beard. Oh my god! Oh. Right? He, okay. With the frosted, t- he keeps the frosted tips, but he's got like full oh grandpa my beard. Goodness gracious, Andrea, are you trying to prevent me from ever having sex with my husband again? <laughs> no, 
Of course not. That's a mental image I can't get out of my head. Oh, God. It's okay. I love it. I'm just a little delirious. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. We all are. Don't No sweat, baby girl. All right. Well, listen, let's maybe get into some announcements, should we? Britt has been posting some fantastic Let's Plays of Layers of Fear 2 at YouTube.com slash What's Good Games. If you guys are podcast listeners and you haven't been to the YouTube channel in a while, maybe pop on by. Give us a subscribe. Maybe hit a like or on, on a video or two. Check out Brittany playing super scary games <laughs> as she likes to do. Obviously, we're in full preparation mode for Halloween, which is going to happen next month. So how many more videos do you have? Or are you just kind of taking it one at a time? Yeah, I'm taking it one at a time. You know, I'm about maybe two hours into it, if you count all the Let's Plays. And I was watching the videos back to clip stuff. And damn, I mean, I'm so happy Simmer called me out. I do scream with my eyes wide open. And it's like, <laughs> I know. Yes, you do. It's a very <laughs> disturbing thing to watch because it's. I don't know. It's kind of like the, it looks weird. It's kind of like facial when facial animations characters are laughing in a video game and it just looks weird and off and not not like natural. That's you are when facial like. animations gone wrong is your exactly, just natural face. Oh, it's so wrong anyway. But yeah, it's, it's a good game. It's spooky. I scream a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to play something spooky together once I um, get the streaming software and stuff up uh, up to snuff here. Um what, something else that Brittany told me that she started while I was busy moving everything down to Los Angeles was this call out for one star reviews. And I kind of like it. It's fun. Yeah, because as you may or may not know, if we get those five star reviews on iTunes, it really helps us, helps with our visibility in the podcast sphere. And, you know, we do pay attention to them. And we recently got one from someone called, I don't even know how to say this, Seer Kick. I don't know. Cyric? I don't know. Cyric. And Cyric? Cyric. The title of of it is awesome if you like F-bombs. And here's You know what's funny is that since I'm on keto now, F-bombs, I was like, oh, fat bombs. Yeah, I like fat bombs. (laughs) God damn. (laughs) What's a fat bomb? It's a basically like a a keto dessert. No. They're basically like keto desserts, keto treats you can make that are highly loaded with fat because it can be difficult to eat the amount of fat you need to eat on keto um so they're designed to just be like if you didn't make your macros for the day you can kind of like pop a fat fat bomb bomb. like a peanut like a ball of peanut butter right their peanut butter is actually not great because it has a decent amount of carbs but there's sugar and carbs Mm, but uh so like one of the ones i made there are a lot of cream cheese based ones or coconut oil Mm. mct oil so you could there's a lot of different recipes with different bases What's Anyways. good nutrition with Christine Seimer? Yeah. So this one-star review. <clears throat> I used to like this podcast, but they seem like they're trying to outdo each other on who can swear the most. I listen to this because I want to hear news about all platforms, not just Xbox. But obviously, you don't have enough talent to do a show without trying to impress us with your ability to swear. Wow, swearing requires so much talent. Thanks, but no thanks. You're correct. <laughs> swearing does take talent. <laughs> It takes talent to know when to swear, what swear word to use, mm-hmm. <laughs> the intensity of the swear. Yeah. I don't even think we swear that much on this show. We, really, I mean, we swear yeah. from time to time, but yeah. there's sometimes like we're when I, I definitely slip into it a little more. And that's usually when I'm tired. And my, I just that's if I'm swearing a lot, it means I'm tired. There you go. When you don't give a fuck. Is that what you're yes. saying? Yes. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Well, well, Cyric, thanks for that great fucking review. 
We are really fucking honored. I do think it's really amusing that this person has called out hearing news about all platforms, not just Xbox. I know, right? Because we don't really talk about Xbox all that much. I think the reason why maybe you guys have been talking about Xbox recently is because of Gears and how Gears just came out. It was a big thing. And Xbox uh, Scarlet and other xCloud news that has happened around Gamescom and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, yeah, there's no need for us to dissect this. I think... I think this is funny and hilarious, and I love that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And if you guys want to help counteract these one-star reviews, please head to your favorite podcast <laughs> service, uh, but preferably Google Play or Apple, because those are the ones that uh, weight the heaviest, because um, they're the biggest. That's usually the way that weight works. Anyway, <laughs> let's get on to some Patreon shout-outs, should we? Thank you so much to this month's Patreon producers, Alex Rogopoulos, Chewy's Godson, Dazid. Did you? I was like, did you misspell that intentionally? David Icolucci. Farid, Farid, Ferris, Ferris, I'm sorry. I said your name wrong. Mohammed, Mohammed, you guys are fantastic. Thank you so much for supporting everything we do at patreon.com slash what's good games. And we've got some new people that have joined the community. Don't forget, we have multiple levels of membership. If you guys would like to get the show ad free, maybe you want to join us for the happy hour Q&A or the after hour stream, or maybe you want to get your monthly shout out. There are lots of membership options for you. And this week, we welcome Jimmy Brown, Aaron Smithyman. I really hope that's your real name, Aaron. That's awesome. Cooper Crossland, Caitlin Reiser, Daniela Zainsku, Zainsku, Matt Chase, Dominic, Christopher Sumner, and Lynn Sovig. Thank you so much for joining us. We're glad that you are part of our Patreon community. And it's time, I think. To finally get into some news, Hold but on. before Can we do we that, pause because wait, nope, now it's picked itself, motherfucker. I was like, because my audacity was doing something weird where it was, it looked like it wasn't recording okay. the proper levels, but I think now it looks fine. So perfect. Maybe... Carry on, false alarm, I guess. <laughs> but also, we didn't mention uh, the streams. Oh, we didn't. Brittany, will you uh, update everybody on what's happening with our Patreon streams? Go away, Kitty. You'll get dinner later. <laughs> so what we were supposed to do is be professionals and talk about what time we wanted to do these streams. They're going to be Tuesday, October. Kitty, cat, and Andrea's camera. October 24th. That is next Tuesday. Um, we don't have a time nailed down just yet, but I'm assuming it's going to be after 5 p.m. Yes. Okay. It will we'll 100% that. be after 5 p.m. Pacific time. Okay, so when we get that figured out, if you go over to patreon.com slash what's good games, um, I'll have the link to that info. And hopefully you can stop by. It's going to be a good time. And that's that. Great. Amen. Moving on. All right. Hollywood son. Moving on. If you guys aren't part of Patreon, as we mentioned, you should join us. It's going to be fun. Here we go. Time to get into some news. And this week, the news is brought to you by our sponsor, Manscaped. I can't tell you how excited I have been to read this ad. It's so when good. They first, when they first reached out to us and were like, hey, would you guys be interested in, in talking to a, a, an advertiser named Manscaped? And we're like, an opportunity to talk about balls on the air? We're into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let me go ahead and get into this. So we want to talk about men and about manscaping. So here's the thing. 
You guys know what manscaping is. And if you don't, we're here to tell you. It's all about below-the-belt grooming. That's right. Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. And they offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Okay. And yes, that rhymes. Okay. So we, we all have experiences with stories of friends of ours, our partners, um, brothers, whoever, who overshare about what happens when they try to, you know, trim up below the belt. Listen, ladies get hurt when they trim up below the belt too. Um, this isn't just a, this isn't just a man problem. Correct. It's it's perilous down there. But manscaping <laughs> has been redesigned um, with their new electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has a proprietary skin safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and you don't have to use that same trimmer that you use on your face on your balls because that's just nasty. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? That's a great question. Fair question, yeah. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code what's good at manscaped.com so that you will always have the right tools for the job. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com using code what's good to get 20% off and free shipping. I want to tell you guys, they sent us a kit and it has all of these different tools in it. Manscaped has a whole line of deodorant and cleaning products. They don't just have things for your balls, though. Clearly, <laughs> their primary body part that they are trying to service um, are, are, your, uh, are your nuts. But they have things for your feet. They have uh, T-shirts. They have all kinds of stuff. So if you guys have heard this ad or maybe heard about Manscaped on another show and you're like, how hey, I've been thinking about doing it. Maybe now is the time to use that code, what's good? Because as ladies, I think we all can agree, we appreciate some good manscaping. So funny yes, story. Indeed. I was really excited about this ad as well. So I went to Jason. I said, oh my God, we got manscaped. He's like, I've used manscaped for like three years. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so turns out he's been using manscaped. He has one of the little razor things. I didn't know this. But then he was all excited, so he like took me upstairs and he like showed me the razor and he's like, "Yeah, this is this is what this is for and this is what that's for." I'm like, "Have you ever like hurt yourself using this?" He's like, "No, it's great." So uh, it's Jason approved. That's fantastic. Yeah, I just got the kit to give to John, and he was super excited about it too. He was like, "Hell yeah, I've always wanted this stuff." There you go. So if you out there are listening, you're like, you know. I've always wanted to manscape my balls. Now you can do it at manscaped.com with promo code what's good for 20% off and free shipping. Okay, enough about balls. It's time to talk about the news. Our first story today is all about E3 2020. Why are we even talking about this? It's barely even Q3 in 2019. But the big story of the week is E3 2020 pitch proposes overhaul. With Qtainment, I'm doing air quotes for everybody listening, a new floor plan and an industry-only day. Hallelujah. All right, so this write-up comes over to us from GameDaily.biz. The ESA is trying to rebrand E3 as a fan, media, and influencer festival for next year's event. In a pitch deck intended for the lobbying group's members, last updated on August 16th, 2019, the ESA says it has plans to adapt its offerings in response to feedback gathered from publishers. As part of its overhaul, the group proposes leaning into influencers and paid celebrity deals with talent representation agencies like UTA and CAA. Those are big Hollywood agencies for um, people who are like, who the heck is CAA? 
The deck includes two examples of these high-profile celebrity activations, including members of the Los Angeles Lakers playing a basketball video game in front of fans or actors competing in a tournament. These attractions rely on massive change to the E3 show floor. The presentation includes a sample of what the L.A. Convention Center's West Hall might look like with eight experience hubs in the middle of the traditional booths. ESA members voiced approval for the new floor plan. The lobbying group says it hopes to create exclusive appointment-only activations for select attendees who will create buzz and FOMO. Wow, they put (laughs) FOMO in a slide? They did. I mean, okay. Sure did. I have thoughts, but I will continue. ESA members shot down the idea of paying celebrities, though. According to the three si- slides labeled member decision points, celebrities will be invited through an organized program instead. Industry attendees, including media, should be aware that the ESA membership approved an additional 10,000 gamer badge attendees, bringing the total number of consumers on the show floor to 25,000. The E3 schedule may be reconfigured with an industry-only day on Tuesday, traditionally the first day of E3 activity before the opening the doors wide to ticketed members of the general public on Wednesday and Thursday. The ESA membership is not aligned with the lobbying group that the E3 should be a consumer event. The lobbying group's publisher partner shot down an idea for a PlayStation experience like movie theater experience. However, there are a number of... Sorry. (laughs) However, there are a number of consumer-focused plans on the table. A proposed digital app and experience may help mitigate wait times. On paper, this reads like Disney's FastPass system using... I think John's home. I just got really scared for a second. I heard the door open. I was like, what's wrong? I was like, oh my God, are we going to see you get kidnapped? Don't yell at me. (laughs) Oh my gosh, John came around the corner and scared me. He's waving now. Hi. (laughs) I love you too. Yeah, yeah, everything's okay. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. No. You know what it's like when you're in a new place and you're not used to the sounds of the new place yet, and you're like, "What was that?" <laughs> <laughs> it was a spook. <laughs> it was, it's just like me every time. Even though my phone was like, "Hey, someone's at the front door." I know. Um, I still got spooked. Anyway, let me continue. Sorry about that. <laughs> On paper, this reads like Disney's FastPass system using its amusement park. The users will register a demo time window and come back later to avoid waiting for hours at a time for a single game. The ESA does have plans to take advantage of those long demo wait times, though. The group has plans for what it calls Qtainment to market to those in line. This two-pronged approach creates a rich opportunity for E3 exhibitors. Either they will have access to consumer data captured through the app or have a captive audience as people wait in line for demos so it's literally just an amusement park inside yeah pretty much i mean this sounds probably like the right decision like the direction they should go in if they're going to open the doors and sell tickets because one of the biggest problems i had with e3 of the last two years when they've had gamer badges is not that gamer badges exist i believe that everybody should have the ability to buy a ticket to E3 and experience everything that we experience and the magic and joy and the wonder that is E3. But I think the value for the price of the ticket is just not there. And that's why attendance was down slightly this year, but it felt overall a lot quieter on the show floor. I feel like PAX is a better value and is not as expensive of a ticket, even though there are less games to play or less new games to play than there are at E3. But I think that if they can shake things up a little bit they'll they'll make it you know more exciting for for fans to buy tickets the industry only day sounds fantastic this idea of using 
celebrity influencers is nothing new. E3 has literally been doing this since E3 opened. I think so I'm not sure about that. I think what they're talking about more is the I don't know if you ladies saw the map, but I think it's the West Hall, right? And yeah. it's just like this big show floor and then there're like these eight little stations kind of forming a circle it, or a half circle, right? Yeah. And then it, each one would be dedicated to a certain like Come over here and watch the Lakers do their thing. Why do I have the same voice as that guy who left us a one-star review? I don't know. He's he's everywhere. He's everywhere. Um, it reminds me li- lightly of BlizzCon's layout. Like, BlizzCon would have these little, like, separate... Granted, those were for, like, arena things. But similar mm-hmm. idea of, like, there's just little pods on the West Hall instead of... Well, there are still booths in there, but... Yeah, it... Uh, it looks weird. I don't really know. I mean, they definitely need to do something to shake it up because this past year, I think especially was very evident that the game, the not the game, the convention has lost its identity and doesn't really know what it is or who it's for. Um, so this still reads, reads a little confusing to me because I'm like, all right, does this mean we're not an industry really focused event anymore? Now it's just a fan and media event an influencer event and like, are we just going to go for Tuesday now and then bounce? Like, is that what we're going to do? No, we'll go for multiple days because even though there's an, in- and I'm sorry, like ghost came into the room and was very upset that I wasn't paying attention. I was to looking it. at your face. I'm like, what's going on? What's happening? I was like, go away, cat. You're being very loud. Oh, um, I think that have, so there's a couple other consumer shows that do industry-only days. Um, Tokyo Game Show does them. Yep, and, and I would games- never be caught dead being on the show floor on a public day of Tokyo Game Show. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> but they also have they also have the capacity for how many people they let into the show floor is much bigger there as it is with Gamescom, right? Gamescom also is notoriously overcrowded and they oversell the tickets. This year, even on the busiest day, which I would argue is Tuesday... E3 felt busy, but it didn't feel like a like I was shoulder to shoulder and I was claustrophobic and I couldn't breathe. Oh, yeah. I hear the kitty. Hello, ghosty. Oh, oh no, leave him in. He's the best part. Yeah, so it makes you wonder what would an additional ten thousand people do? <laughs> like how 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 crowded? I don't know. That's like space and it requires math and a mass per human. I don't understand. But um, something interesting. I went through the. There's 27 slides and you can look at the whole thing. These are some of the another interesting tidbit is one of the slides said E3 currently receives more pitches for the E3 Coliseum than we can program in three days. Select second floor suites will be used to host talks and panel discussions that derive engagement and provide E3. And then I deleted the last word because I forgot to paste it. So um, that's like packs. Sort of. Yeah. So it kind of makes you wonder, you know, obviously E3, as we've known, it has been let's go. Let's go to the press conferences. Let's uh, make some media appointments. I know we've hosted a lot in the past and Andrea continues to host. But yeah, it makes you wonder, is it going to turn into the kind of event where we go and now we start doing panels? Or will it ever shift to that? Because I feel like E3, for me anyway, is not so much about the community engagement and the panels. It's more about like, I want to play these games and talk to people. But obviously, I think that's the shift that they're trying to make. Yeah, it's interesting to see how it'll go and whether or not, because like at this point, the show sounds more like a competitor for packs than anything else. Um, but it will be like new shiny packs. If that's where everyone's debuting their new stuff, like that would be an exciting thing to go to. So I don't know. I'm curious to see what they end up ironing out and what they go with and what E3 looks like next year. Cause it apparently is going to look a lot different. 
Got it. Then here's the other part. E3 will sell a game demo bundle to fans who want to experience the game's showcase on the floor. Exhibitors provide codes to time-limited demos that are enjoyed through a cloud-based portal. And then from that, the participating companies will receive player-provided info that allows them to do follow-up marketing and offers for pre-orders and relationship building. So it, I don't know how the how does the Blizzard ticket work, the digital ticket or whatever it's called. Is it kind of like that, but not? You know what I'm talking about the BlizzCon. BlizzCon? Yeah, there's definitely not. Um, there's definitely not like game demos attached to the ticket. I think there are in-game digital items, mm. but it's not essentially like, hey, you can play the Cyberpunk 2077 demo that was on the show floor by buying this ticket. Mm. <clears throat> if they did that, I think it would be really cool, and I think that would be an awesome way for them to generate the revenue that they clearly are missing from these big people not being on the show floor, people like Microsoft, PlayStation, EA, Activision, etc. And they could say, hey, we want to sell access to these demos. It's a little bit of a slippery slope in that sense of like, well, well, how much access are they getting? Is it going to be worth the price? It's tough because I've always been more of a libertarian in this sense of like, Hey, like it's free market economics, right? Like if they want to sell this thing, let them sell this thing. You don't have to buy it. It's completely optional. The other option is like you never even get access to it ever. You know what I mean? Like only media who have credentials to be at the show get to play or see the demo and then you never get to see it. Because a lot of times these these marketing companies or these marketing teams don't actually release the behind closed doors demos that we get to see. Sometimes they do, like in the case of Marvel's Avengers, which we saw recently, they they released it. And we know that Cyberpunk released a shorter version of the long, like 45-minute version that we saw behind closed doors. But most of the time when we as press get invited to go see these things, they never see the light of day. So if there is an opportunity for people to buy digital access to that, I think that's a really cool, really cool thing. Not just for the ESA to reinvent themselves with E3, but also for fans who either can't afford to buy a gamer ticket or can't fly to Los Angeles or live somewhere in the world where they just physically can't get to where E3 is. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think t- I don't think that that would be possible though, Andrea. Like I cannot imagine a world where CDP puts that demo out to anybody virtually because they specifically have it on site so that they can control it as much as possible. And the minute you send that out, like you have no control and it could totally break. It could, somebody could hack into it. Somebody could find other files that like might be hidden in there. Mm. Like, I don't see that happening. Um, maybe like videos. <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe they would put like run it through a demo themselves, record a video and, and attach it to that ticket. So it's like you can see the demo as everybody else sort of sees it, but not really. Uh, but it wouldn't be like a demo you could play or anything like that. So the I know they have demos for uh, games that aren't released yet, right? That you can just download right now on the Xbox, um, the store, play, PSN, whatever. So I wonder if they could do something like that. But then, you know, you're going to get the, oh, you want me to pay for a demo? You're crazy. I think if they could bundle maybe some exclusive, you know, digital items that if you do buy the game this is what you'll get who knows but it's an interesting idea because i didn't think about that perspective simer if i mean i don't know i don't know how this shit works but lock up your shit and if you can do this i think it's a cool thing yeah e3 builds in general are crunch time for the devs to even get something out they're not necessarily even i mean sometimes they're built like so all tech is built in branches right like so some they'll branch off and they'll build e3 and like 
So it's not necessarily even really going, I mean, a lot of it is, but what people have gotten in trouble for before, as you've seen headlines or whatever, those branches don't necessarily get merged back into the game exactly one for one. Um, so that's another consideration to make and why I, I just don't, I can't imagine unless the game is really far along and almost done. I.e. if it was like, Hey, fallout four is coming out this fall. We probably could give you something on like a disc. That's probably fine. Or digitally. That's probably fine. But anything that's a few years out, absolutely not. I do not see that happening. Okay. You're totally right. I 100% agree with you when it comes to the security of the build. So if that's not possible, maybe even just giving them some kind of visual access to the demo. That's what I was saying. To play it. Yeah, right? I was yeah, saying what would be like possible is minutes. yeah, exactly. Like yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. You would you would have to release some assets. You would have to be okay with the fact that it will be up online immediately, uh, and all of the value of your tickets is gone. Then so I'm glad I, I mean, don't it's, have to it's think it's a hard much. problem to solve, but. Uh, it's nice that they are at least trying. They got some fight in them. <laughs> exactly. Listen, I have to go get. I have to go shut the door to this room because this cat is like, Aww. I want to be in your lap. Well, right now. while you do that, I'll read the next story. Perfect. I'll be right back. <laughs> so, cute. so, Gears Five sets first-party Xbox Studios records for this generation. This story comes to us from Gamespot. Ooh. Gears 5 has set a record as Microsoft's biggest launch week for a first-party game this generation. The company announced that Gears 5 hit 3 million players on opening week. That gave it the highest first-week player count of any game since Halo 4 launched in 2012. Notably, this first-week first week figure included the four-day earlier access period that began on Friday, September 6th, and only included Ultimate Edition purchasers and Game Pass Ultimate subscribers. The player count... Uh, well, blah, 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 blah. The player count then, haha, they they misspelled a word. Uh, they it's, forgot more. I think they more than double. Oh, probably more what than. I was like, it either should be then or, or then. More what than. Are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Anyways, it's one of the two. Uh, double the prior game in the series, Gears of War 4. On the PC, the game was an even bigger improvement over its predecessor, tripling Gears 4's PC debut. It also marks Xbox Game Studios' biggest launch on Steam ever. That early access happened to coincide with a brief Xbox Live outage and some launch hiccups for the Coalition's latest game. The game has also been praised for its accessibility options following Microsoft's push for increased accessibility with its adaptive controller. So good news for Gears! It's doing and real Microsoft. good. Thank God, Microsoft needed Woo-hoo. a hit. Yeah, I'm, I'm like glad that they got it again. So, highest first week player count of any game since Halo Four launched in 2012, which is that's wild. Long, yeah, it's a long ass time ago. First week, but so I was reading this. I'm like, this is really cool. And then you know, I like to read multiple stories about the same story written by different people. And I went over on a site that I like to frequent called Destructoid. And they seemed a little less impressed by this. So I wanted to read this and see what you ladies think about it. Mm -hmm. So, all of this is expected rather than extraordinary. Gears 5 is the crown jewel of Xbox Game Pass in 2019, the absolute most popular and anticipated game that people can play at launch because of a $10 subscription. That's incorrect. It's $14.99. But Gears of War 4 and Halo 4 didn't have that luxury. They relied on a $60 one-time purchase, whereas the lion's share of Gears 5 player base presumably comes from Xbox Live's Game Pass. Xbox Game Pass. But they don't actually know that. Yeah, yes, I think that the, is presumed. I think that that's um, uh, an assumption they should not make. I mean, generally, 
some of these things we can, you know, extrapolate or predict, but this is really like a ass out of you and me situation here uh, with uh-huh. that assumption about Game Pass. It's been interesting for me to talk to some of the dev teams about Game Pass. It was a question that came up on the Outer Worlds panel that I hosted at PAX, actually, um, because somebody said, you know, like, hey, I, I want to support Obsidian Entertainment. I really love what you guys do. And now you guys are part of Microsoft. Like, should I buy the game or is it okay for me to play it on Game Pass? Oh, because you'll be able to play the Outer Worlds day and date on mm-hmm. Game Pass because it's a Microsoft game now. And she said, um, Megan, one of the senior narrative designers said, please play it on Game Pass. Like, we want you to play it on Game Pass. We just want you to play the game. Whether you buy it full price or get it through Game Pass, we just hope that you enjoy it and play it. And so they seemed very excited about being included in Game Pass and wanting Game Pass to be successful for them because clearly Microsoft has put a lot of money behind Xbox and Xbox Game Pass. And so I think that even if Gears 5 had a giant portion of their players on Game Pass, so what? Good for them. You know, I think that this is a game, as Destructoid said, was the crown jewel and is the crown jewel of 2019 for Microsoft. I think what's more indicative, if you look at this GameSpot story, is talking about Halo 4 in 2012. That was at the very end of the Xbox 360 lifecycle, right? Right before we were, 2013 is when the new consoles were revealed. And they launched that fall. And this is, I think, really telling that Microsoft has just struggled this generation. Yep. They've really struggled to have a breakout hit and to have something that was huge. Most of the big sales that they've had have been third-party partnerships or third-party titles. And I think they really needed this win. Not that Halo 5 was bad. I, I enjoyed my time with it, but it certainly wasn't, in my opinion, as good as Halo 4 was. And and so I think that they really were looking at the coalition and saying, you know, like, do your best to make this everything it can be. I'm not finished with it yet, but so far I've been really loving it. I'm looking forward to talking about it in the hands-on segment. But I think this is awesome. And congrats to the team at the coalition for making something fantastic. I know that all eyes were on them because if this had gone in the way of <laughs> Gears Judgment... It would have been bad for Microsoft. Honestly, I think even if it had been met, like Gears 4 was kind of, it was fine, right? Like, so I think even if it had been that, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been great. But the, so I'm, I'm happy that it's doing much better. And, uh, they honestly, like the dev team really knocked it out of the park. Like they're, they, they improved. So I'm glad to see that the audience is there to support. Yeah. It's, it's good. Good shit. Good job, friends. Now we're going to talk about a ring thing. Yeah. (laughs) Nintendo Switch's new ring controller game is Ring Fit Adventure. They should have called it Switch Fit like Simer said last week. Yes, but I do like that. So I called, I was like, this is a Pilates ring. And then oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's called Ring Fit. And I'm like, I guess that makes sense. There you go. So this comes from Polygon. (laughs) Nintendo's unusual semi-flexible ring controller. now It's not unusual. It's a Pilates ring. It's exactly what it is. (laughs) It is a Pilates ring, yeah. It has a name and a game. It's Ring Con and Ring Fit Adventure for Nintendo Switch, respectively. It's the console maker's latest stab at extra gaming, which harkens back to its tremendous success with with it on the Wii in the mid-aughts. That was a weird sentence. All right. According to a news release put out this morning, Ring Con combines with a leg strap to deliver exercise challenges in Ring Fit Adventure, where players are trying to defeat a bodybuilding dragon. Nintendo's word, not That's- ours. That's... Amazing. It's it's real cool. 
jog sprints and do knee highs in real life to travel through the world, the statement says, and use RingCon accessory to perform different in-game actions like jumping, hovering in midair, or steering a raft on a river. Last week, Nintendo teased the new controller with a 90-second demo of families and friends around the world using it, but the video didn't show the screen they were all looking at. Ring Fit Adventure gives players more than 40 exercise skills to perform, and their player character levels up by using them somewhat like a role-playing game. Ring Fit Adventure offers a main campaign, a shorter quick-play mode featuring the mini-games found in the campaign, and modes where players can choose from the menu of exercises or perform sets of two or more to work the same muscle group. Critically, quote, the game even includes a silent mode for people who live in an upstairs apartment or don't want to make a lot of noise. That's says actually the really releases. nice. <laughs> it's cute. Nintendo, also a considerate neighbor. Silent mode means the jog and place exercises are replaced with, quote, ones that are a little quieter, allowing players to keep their legs active without a heavy impact on the floor. The extra gaming title includes the ring con and leg strap, both of which have housings for the Switch's two Joy-Con controllers, and will sell for $79.99 when it launches on October 18th. Wait, for that's both for the game and the controller? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, wait. Or no. Or is that just the two controllers? Well, I no, think okay, the game... It's all, it's all together. It's all yeah. together. That's cool. Yeah, it should be. That, that'd be... That'd be, that'd be I was like, woo, nickel and dime you. Um, yeah. This is cool. I actually really like the silent mode. Because it's very considerate of the fact that people don't all live in houses. They sometimes live in apartments and you don't want to be stomping on your floor, pissing off your neighbors. <laughs> so I watched the, the seven minute video on this and th- it was OK. I'm, I, I'm not an asshole, but man, those hosts kind of, you know, like when they make your butt clench a little bit because it's just like so fakey. Anyway, that's besides the point. I just had to get off at my chest. Sorry. I've been stressing about that since this morning. It was pretty intense. Anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it looks cool. I'm watching it. The game itself looks interesting. You know, like the article said, you hold the ring and you just jog in place and your little character moves. And then to jump, you just kind of tilt the ring down a little bit. And then you come across enemies. And to fight the enemies, you have to do certain poses. And so, you know, you see people doing yoga doing other things and then you defeat the enemies by exercising and i think it's i think it's cool i don't think this is going to be for me because i had kind of have my own exercise routine that i'm in right now but um you know like when the wii fit came out i was using that balance board all the time that's why i learned tree pose and yoga yo look at me we can't no you're right you literally can't (laughs) I'm not Literally doing it right can't. now. You've been frozen. But I know what a tree pose looks like, yes. so I can imagine Brittany in a tree pose. Thank you. I bet you look majestic. I mean, not really. Have you seen me? I am a klutz. But no, I mean, it's cool. I, I don't, like I said, I don't think it's going to be for me, but if it gets people exercising, I think it's, I think it's great that Nintendo tries these, these things. And sometimes they're misses, but sometimes they're hits. And if this gets people more active, then cool. Good job. Agreed. Hard agree. Are you ladies going to play it? No. Oh. We Girl, can do an after I, I, hour stream. I already work out enough. I'm good. I, I, would, I would attempt it if Nintendo sent us one to try it out. Do I want to pay $80 to try it out? No. That's a lot of money. I mean, this has been my biggest gripe about these things that Nintendo has done. Like, if you look at Labo VR or just the Labo kits... I mean, heck, even the Joy-Cons are $79.99 for a two-pair Joy-Con. This is like, I don't understand how this is affordable for families. That's the thing that's been really frustrating to me about the the Nintendo Switch generation. I think that Switch as a piece of hardware 
is great. I'm really looking forward to Switch Lite. But think about it. $80 is like such a giant chunk of the price that you could put towards a Switch Lite that will give you so much more playtime than than this Nintendo Fit Ring is going to give you. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just, you I, have to be thinking like about it more of like, Instead of a gym membership, I yeah. buy this. Like, no, but like that's such a that's. So I'm not wrong, saying though. I'm this not saying a gym it's membership correct. Replacement. I'm just saying if you're like I'm intimidated by exercise, I don't want to go to the gym. I'm scared, but I also don't want to not do anything. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of the it's the very baby step into exercise. Like it's not for me. It's not for you. It's for people who are uncomfortable but want to do something. Don't know how to get started are appealed to the mm-hmm. gamification of exercise in this form. Like that's who it, it it's for. I, I understand. I'm not going to disagree that I it's hear, expensive. And I hear you. I guess I just think that there's so many more digital options out there for you to do in the privacy of your own home. Um, even if you're just doing YouTube, uh, maybe that's just because I'm a, a, a diehard like beach body app user and that you can buy, you could buy 10 or eight months of, of in home exercise programs on your phone or your, or your but iPad that's like your exercise andrea and i want to fight a bodybuilding dragon so just <laughs> let me okay fair you didn't really drive home the point about the bodybuilding dragon so now that you have it's all become clear and i understand why people want to play i get it now yeah no i mean i'm with you i i I'm with both of you. I think, like Simer said, this is a very good like intro to exercise. It's a Nintendo product. People are automatically attracted to Nintendo and the cutesy things they have. And it feels like a very safe company to guide you through some exercise, right? And it's like, if you have a Switch at home and there's that game aspect, Nintendo's tapping into their market. And, I mean, I think about... Um, I don't know how common this is, but Jason once, his mom was super intrigued by the Kinect. And he had an Xbox 360 that was just, like, laying around. So one Christmas, he, like, got her the Kinect, and she kept his Xbox 360, and she used that as her exercise for a while. So, you know, if you have kids in the household who have a Switch, it could be a good present for your mom, for your dad, for who, I don't know. You see a whole bunch of people using this shit. I don't know. I'd be curious. I'd be curious to see um, how this, I'm going to be curious to see how this sells and what the demographic is and, like, who is actually using this thing. Yes. Agree. Yeah. Well, see. But you should move your body, people. It's good for you. Okay, someone needs to read this for me. Okay, I got you, yeah. girl. <laughs> I got you so you can make all the grunts and reactions blah, blah, that you blah, blah, need. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, you know you've been waiting. Here it is, the Pokemon Sword and Shield story where they add a new evolution for another old Pokemon. Yes! GameSpot writes, as teased, the Pokemon company has revealed the identity of Pokemon Sword and Shield's mysterious, glitchy Pokemon. (laughs) The company shared a brief trailer that revolves around entirely new region-exclusive evolution of Farfetch'd called Surfetch'd. As its name suggests, Surfetch'd appears to be based on a knight and is exclusive to Pokemon Sword. The leak it carries around (laughs) as a... Wait, the leak? Like the vegetable? Yes. Yes. It carries around as a far-fetched has turned into a lance and shield, which it attacks during battle. 
It also appears to have a stern demeanor as befitting a knight. Goddamn right. In the trailer, Sir Fetch looks humorously unamused. Hold on. Humorously unamused. <laughs> when a t- trainer tries to play with it and even smacks the trainer with its lance. It, it does. This is the greatest Pokemon of all time. <gasps> it's so cool. And I love it because we're getting our original, our OG Pokemon are finally getting like an evolution. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. So Farfetch'd is a a bird and he carries yes. around a leak and he's a duck right he's a he, duck he's sort of a duck uh, is he technically a well, duck? He, i don't know think he's technically a duck he looks duckish well, or, but no let's... actually no he's got too big of a bill i don't know what he is okay hold on hold on we're gonna we're gonna figure this out right now okay okay farfetch is okay an, what okay no you're right I, the bill looks more bird-like but the feet look more duck-like sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. he looks like a duck I'm not sure what exactly it is, but that's irrelevant. What matters is we now have Sir Fetched and everything that I never knew. And I he's so noble. I now have. And so this is the best part. So I looked at the... Um, yeah, the it says leak-wielding duck on Wikipedia. So. Yeah, yeah. So I looked- well, yeah, but here's the thing. Duck and bird are like whiskey and bourbon. Like, all ducks are technically birds, but not all birds are Listen, ducks. Listen, we're talking right. about a creature that holds a vegetable and fights with it, Okay. <laughs> Like yes, <laughs> I w- can we cosplay this and just make leak swords? Can I be the leak? leak? Can I yes, be the leak? Sure, why not? Okay. <laughs> why not? Okay, so I went to Sir Fetch and I looked at his <laughs> official Pokedex entry. <clears throat> the far fetched of the Gala region can evolve into Sir Fetched after experiencing many battles. They are calm and collected, and they make a point of always battling fairly. They are so noble in battle that they are often chosen as a motif for paintings. Of particular note is a painting famous in the Gala region that depicts a duel between a Sir Fetch and an Escavalier, whatever, Escavalier, whatever the fuck that. In battle, Sir Fetch uses the sharp stalk of its leek as a lance and the thick leaves as a shield. It maintains this leek over the span of many years and treasures it more than anything. <laughs> when, it, when its leek finally, and this is the sad part, hold on. When its leek finally withers, Sir Fetch will leave the battlefield and retire from battling entirely. It, that's it it's amazing he's I'm, amazing i know like when this when this poor bird who treasures this vegetable more than anything withers it's like i guess i have to stop fighting because my my leak has withered and then it just like exits battling and then it becomes a motif for paintings i don't know all i know is this is the best thing in the world sir fetched i i, I dude uh i just thought of an amazing tweet that i'm gonna tweet right now and then i'll get back to you God damn it. <laughs> no one cares about my Summer's like, bitch. I'm gonna just take a break from the no, show while about, we're recording to make this, this tweet. It's about okay, this. Okay, okay, make your tweet. And then I will um, tell you Brittany, my tweet I'm, joke and you'll be I'm like, I'm so I happy it. for you that you, you are Andrea. in love with this. Um I like my thing is like I don't understand Pokemon. I never will. I love the the Detective Pikachu movie and seeing all of them and they look super cute, but like Sure, why not? I made the tweet joke back to you. So Alexa Ray had tweeted about this, <laughs> about how she'd had to, I'd have to pick her up off the floor because she's dead looking at Sir Fetch. And Brittany responded, and then I was just like, listen, it's basically Howard the Duck with a sword and a shield. Howard the Duck. It is. You are correct. But Howard that does the not the make duck. him any less amazing. Um, no, listen, agree. Howard, I think it makes him more amazing. Howard the Duck's a little bitch because Howard the Duck uses a sword and shield. Sir Fetch uses a goddamn leaf and a leak. I'm sorry. 
Well, but, yeah, I mean, well, he is more baller. Technically, Howard the Duck uses sure. a gun. He's not, yeah. Listen, Brittany, have you ever seen the Howard the Duck movie? No, and I just looked up a picture, and I am reminded of a nightmare I had about this duck when I was a wee lass. So thanks for that. Next time you're in town, can we watch it? Oh, God. Sure. Can we drink lots of whiskey and then watch it? Okay, let's bake cookies. Maybe. Maybe not. We'll see how drunk we are. And then just give me lots of whiskey, and then I'll be good. Because that thing's scary. That's terrifying. That, That duck belongs in Five Nights at Freddy's. Yes, so I, I said, would, I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> hey, Medieval Times, when is Sir Fetch joining your Knights roster? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good tweet. Because OMG, yes. Because how amazing would that fucking be? Yes, I'm, make it happen. Come on, Medieval Times. I'm just excited you to can do it. Don't let us down. Don't let us down, Medieval Times. I need to find a good leak costume because this is happening. They'd probably get a really nice bump in attendance if they added Pokemon. Dude, to their it would roster. be amazing. Yeah. What if they had like a Pokemon themed night and they used all of the, they just did Pokemon battles instead of night <gasps> battles? Dude, I would be so down. That would be amazing. I just thought of a whole new market for you. Okay, wait. Times. Let's go. Andrea, you meet. We will work out the marketing deal. Okay, pitch them. Wait, so would there have to be actors that are pretending to be the Pokemon? So then essentially we're just turning into a Pokemon LARP session. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I can fuck with that. Or it could be like AR holographic kind of stuff. Okay. That'd probably be better because I don't think I c- could keep a straight face if there's like an actor on all fours trying to be a Bulbasaur. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think yeah, I could do Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Oh, God. I'm so excited that you're happy. Thanks. Um, Let's just roll this story into another Nintendo story. Uh, Super Nintendo World is set for a spring 2020 opening in Osaka. So this comes from Destructoid. It looks like that Nintendo theme park is a lot closer than we realized. During Comcast 2019 Media Communications and Entertainment Conference, a few days ago, Universal Parks and Resorts Chairman CEO Tom Williams revealed that Universal Japan in Osaka will be welcoming Super Nintendo World in spring 2020. That's only half a year left. According to his speech, the park will open with two rides. Super, wait, hold on. Hold on. What? The park is opening with two two rides? Just two. Uno, um, dos. One, two. Don't ride two rides. Parade. Super Mario Kart and Yoshi's Adventure. Quote, it's the best and we've tested them all. All wait. two. All two of them. Uh, just two of them. But guess what? They're killers. <laughs> and he continued, it's a great lineup. It takes it to the whole next I never noticed that. I was just so oh, happy. I can't. I can't continue. Okay, I got it. I got it. Okay, I got it. You got it. All right. It's a great lineup. It takes it to a whole to the whole next level. It's going to redefine what a park experience is like, a.k.a. it won't have anything in it. It is really special. <laughs> Taking a page out of Disney's playbook, Super Nintendo World will have patrons wearing magnetic bracelets emblazoned with Mario's iconic uh, red M uh, that will interact with various objects in the park. Uh, Likely using NFC technology, the bracelet will keep track of scores gained throughout the different attractions and is said to have some functionality with game consoles. As Williams put it, you can go, quote, back with your game console so you can build on it and come back again. As far as when we'll see Super Nintendo World in the United States, Williams refrained from commenting. In his words, 
felt revealing too much would, quote, defer attendance from the Japanese attractions. He did state that from conception to opening with any theme park or land, it typically takes around five to six years. With work seemingly not having started, we could be waiting quite a bit longer. Uh, okay, quite a bit so longer yikes. for those two rides. Okay, wait. Okay, yeah. So, like, he launched with two rides, and then I'm thinking... Okay, maybe there are other rides that they're not launching with. But if he's tested them and they're so killer, why are they not launching with it? I am confused. I don't understand what's happening. Because safety? Maybe they haven't passed regulations yet? Maybe. I don't don't understand how theme parks work. All I know is, like, on paper, I'm very excited about this. I've always wanted a video game theme park. I thought it'd be a voice that'd be really cool. Nintendo has some great properties. This is going to be freaking rad. We should go to Osaka and ride these two rides in spring of 2020. I, I agree. I, I think a, a Japan tour is in the cards. I've eventually. been trying to oh, make this happen since we started. What's yep. good game? Literally, it was part of Steimer's stretch goals for the Patreon. She's like, can we put a Japan of what's good games <laughs> in Japan on the stretch goals? And we were all like, no. But she was like, wait, why not? And we like, did it. But... <laughs> Uh, but my thing is, like, this is, I'm not trying to to laugh at the idea of Super Nintendo World, because like you ladies, I'm very excited about it. However, we've all been to theme parks. We know that they're crowded. There's tons of people. and You need a lot of attractions to keep people busy because people just don't want to queue for like four or five hours at a time. Even queuing for two hours for like a two minute ride is painful, but we've all done it. Ugh. But, like, the idea of a whole theme park built around two rides seems super incomplete, especially given the humongous IAP library that Nintendo owns. Like, the idea that they're opening a Nintendo world and that they're just starting with Super Mario Kart and Yoshi's Adventure and they're not doing anything with The Legend of Zelda... You know, they could even have little experiences with Pokemon or with Pikmin, with Metroid. I mean, Donkey Kong, the list could go on and on, right? Mm. So I just, I'm, I, I'm, I'm concerned about this. Like, also, it's just not yet. Don't go in the beginning. Wait till it gets fleshed out a little more. Yeah, I think what they're really trying to say without saying it is, hey, building a theme park is hella expensive. Yes. And we want to test it and make sure people like it first before we expand into another market. This idea that it will deter attendance, get out of here. Osaka is difficult to get to. Japan in general, if you're coming from North America or from Europe, is a very long trip. And so that that to me is just like a bullshit PR answer. Like you could easily build one in Orlando and it would be much easier for for people both in North America and in Europe to fly to than to fly all the way to Japan. But I get that like that's another like what a couple hundred million dollars if not more. Nothing girl. We got we got that in our bank account. It's fine. Yeah, Nintendo's got that fat stack of cash in their their vault. Do you want to use it on oh us? Yeah sure. Yeah we can. (laughs) Yeah so I've looked at some of the because I've been following this pretty closely. I've been looking at a lot of the um, mock-ups. I I don't know if they're official or not but it looks really cool, but yeah, the two rides is a little concerning. I think a lot of the attraction also comes from everything is Mario themed or Nintendo themed, and they have all these mm-hmm. like shops and stores and little interactive experience. And I want to hit a question block with my my hand, not my head. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because oh my god, a Zelda thing like a Navi navigator like let's ride on Navi's fucking back. Let's go Zelda. Anyway, I could talk about this all night. 
But it'd be so cool. It would be really cool. So you're saying we should make a plan in, um, we don't want to go right when it opens. We want them to work out the kinks. And also, so maybe like fall 2020, what if we we did TGS Uh, and then we just go to Osaka afterwards? I would not complain. I've been studying Japanese. I'll be set by the time we go. It'll be. Oh, you have? That's awesome. I have. Um, you know, unless Nintendo wants to be really nice and offer to fly us out for like a media only preview weekend or something. I mean, doubtful. Oh, that'd be amazing. That would be great. That would never happen, but it would be great. (laughs) Okay. So these next few stories, I just threw in here a little minis. So Simon, I thought about you. So Nights and Bikes is getting an animated TV series courtesy of Tiger Aspect Productions. We talked about this game last week, and Simon really liked it. Final Fantasy VII Remake is getting a turn-based classic mode, so basically this will work like your original Final Fantasy VII did on the PlayStation back in the day. This is really exciting because I think about people like my grandma. Now, granted, I don't know how many people like my grandma are very much looking forward to this game like she is, but the current combat, while I personally enjoy it, I think it would be a little too much for her, so I think this is a great way for people to play the game if the idea of this Real-time combat could be a little too much, so good call. And according to a now-deleted Netflix post, The Witcher is coming on December 17th of this year. Oh, my God. Sweet. Merry Anna. Christmas to me. Henry Cavill, let's go. Looks like Fortnite data, mi- data miners found Batman crossover references and challenges. So I guess that's probably going to That's be- cool. And in case you forgot, Minecraft is still insanely popular and has around 112 million monthly players across all formats, according to Microsoft's. Oh yeah, and it, they had a they've had a big resurgence in the last couple of months since they announced some of the new stuff at E3. They've just been like on the upward climb on the up and up. It's a, it's amazing what that game has really built. I think it's unlike anything we've ever seen in our lifetime, and we'll likely never see again. I know that when Fortnite came out, there there were some people being like, "Oh, finally, it's the Minecraft killer," and I was like, "Lol." <laughs> that's like yeah 100 wrong <laughs> if you think fortnite's a minecraft killer you haven't been paying attention to how popular and how amazing f- the fortnite community is or excuse me the, the minecraft, minecraft community yeah. is yeah so um congrats to to the team at moyang i guess microsoft is making good on that crazy investment they made mm. seriously mm-hmm. all right so that's gonna do it for the news for this week here is us thinking, oh, there's not really that much to talk about, but we got sidetracked by cats, by duck Pokemon, and a bunch of other things. Mustaches. Exactly. But we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us. We'll see you in a minute. everybody and welcome back it's segment two of the what's good games podcast this is where we talk about what we've been playing in our hands-on impressions of any preview events that we've been to and this week our hands-on impressions are brought to you by patreon.com slash what's good games as we mentioned at the top of the show we have all kinds of memberships that you can get involved with you can get the show ad free are you tired of listening to us talk about balls and underwear and bras <laughs> and everything else 
head on over to patreon.com slash what's good gains. But remember, those advertisers help us keep the lights on. We also have access to our happy hour Q&A and our after hour streams. And if you miss our live broadcast, don't worry. You can always watch the videos on demand by heading to your Patreon account and using those fancy tags and keywords to help you find all of the posts. Uh, thank you so much to all of our patrons for supporting everything that we do. We're excited to hopefully do more work with you guys in the rest of the year. Now. On to our hands-on impressions. So last week at the Steinbucker show, you guys talked a lot about Gears 5. And I'm not going to dive too much into it because I'm not finished with it yet. But which part, oh, are, where are you at? So I'm in Act 2 right now. Okay, great. You can help me. I was going to have Brittany help me, which she can still help me if she wants. <laughs> I need help. Okay, what's going on, Steimer? This is the very end of Act 2. So get there. And then it's a boss. It's a boss that the AI is not super helpful on. I can't confirm that boss is a uh, mm, not. Fun. And uh, it's it's difficult, and I'm too tired when I get home to try and like tackle this thing alone with Dell running around like a chicken with its head cut off. So <laughs> I just I just need a little actual human assistance here, or I could drop it down a difficulty level, but I don't want to do that. I've been doing just fine up until this point. So that's it's probably what I, like quite literally the number one hardest part of the game is this yeah. part right here yeah it's oh, yeah anyway so i'm glad that you brought up the difficulty um i had it on normal and then because i was like for my first playthrough because i anticipate that i'm gonna go back and play through this again co-op at some point in the future i was like i kind of want to speed through this so i can catch up and then play some horde mode and get into the other aspects of gear so i dropped it down to beginner and it is frustratingly easy. Oh. And I and I say that because I like obviously beginner is like it's supposed to be very handholdy. We talk all the time about there's no shame in baby ass baby mode. But if you have any kind of FPS gameplay experience at all, you'll just like mow down all of the enemies and all of the bosses. And I think the reason why it kind of stuck out to me not that I'm angry or upset about it. I was just surprised because there's so many other games that are in the same action combat shooter genre that the easy mode or the lowest difficulty setting still provides a little bit of a challenge, but it's not like I'm dying repeatedly unless it's Wolfenstein I would say or Wolfenstein. anything <laughs> unless it, or anything else that machine games makes or it, or its software has a hand in. Um, so I was a little frustrated that I was like, oh, well, I guess I just got to bump it back up. So that's my plan because uh, playing it on beginner just didn't feel rewarding. And I think that that's a balancing issue that the coalition should maybe take a look at because, as I mentioned, you know, we want games to be accessible. We want games to be able to reach all types of players. And I think Microsoft has gone above and beyond what we would expect from a first-person shooter in, in regards to accessibility with Gears 5, particularly with what they've done with the adaptive controller. And so I really want to give a hats off to both Xbox and the Coalition for you know taking the extra time and the extra development cost to put those features in. I think it really makes a big difference. But at the same time, it's a, it's a really tough balance to go, how do I make a game rewarding but also accessible? And this is something our friend Steven Spawn, who is the CEO of Able Gamers, has wrote uh, several pieces about. And I know he's tweeted about it quite a bit. 
talking about, I don't need you to make it easy for me because I'm disabled. I need you to make it accessible. And there's a difference between what accessibility means and what difficulty means. And obviously that mm-hmm. got really stirred up uh, around this uh, Sekiro debate earlier this year. So I think that they maybe have some balancing to do to make the beginner mode a little bit more engaging, a little bit more challenging. That said, the game is beautiful. It's super fun. It feels like the Gears game that I've always wanted. I have been a big fan of this franchise for a long time, um, since Gears 2. And I didn't finish Gears 1. I only played part of it, but... I've really, really liked the franchise, and while Gears 5 clearly isn't, you know, reinventing the wheel here, I think that the level of polish that they've achieved with this game is something to be uh, commended and something to be um, to be applauded, and I think it's beautiful on Xbox One X. Um, clearly, Xbox provided us with copies of the game and copies of the custom console and and things like that, so we want to make sure to call that out as well, but... I'm really, really happy this game came out as fantastic as it has so far. And I'm not to the end yet, but I just love a good linear cinematic experience. I don't need a big open world every time. Sometimes I just want to play a really fun story. And that's something I talked about last week, too, that um, with Steimer was once you kind of get to that semi-open area, for me, it was it was nice because it introduced the characters. There's two of them in the game, but it's nice because it introduces the characters to different situations and you get to see some different banter that you wouldn't see otherwise. But that's just, it was nice, but I think I could have done without it. Um, you know, I didn't mind it because it was, it's a nice, uh, obviously like, I guess minor spoilers in terms of what we've talked about last week, but still like there is a mini open world, very, very small. Um, that will open up at some point. Uh, I didn't mind it because it felt fairly refreshing in a sense. And then also it wasn't too overpopulated. There wasn't all, I mean, maybe there's a whole bunch of shit that I just skipped, which is possible, but <laughs> I did like the main bits, all of the secondary. And I didn't feel it, it was sort of, sort of approaching too long for me, but then just hit that right amount where I was like, okay. And I literally just finished it. And now I go on and move forward. Um, so I think they actually struck a fairly nice balance in terms of what was there. And if I had felt compelled, I think there were a lot more collectibles that I missed, but I am not a collectibles mm-hmm. person. I do not care. Uh, mm-hmm. So I just skipped on by that and got all of the secondary missions, which gives you upgrades for Jack. Yeah, it was. I agree. Like it was refreshing. And so by the time I got to the second area, I was like, okay, I already know what my rewards are going to be. And I, the thing is, is like, it's so great when you know you're going from like scene to scene and you have those different areas you're going that when it kind of does drop you into that big area not big that area where you know i like to uncover all the fog of war so i like to look at every nook and cranny and try to find everything i can it's not bad by any means but it's just not as good it just for some reason i don't know it's it's like i didn't dislike it but it was great the game was great when i was in those areas where it's like okay we're gonna go here we're gonna go here we're gonna go here totally and i don't think i think they were smart in that it's it was exactly this is that's what she said sure sure they're exactly oh. like the right size oh. the right length <laughs> um but it really was i think it's like it's it was a good little chunk there uh i keep trying to think of non-dirty words they're not coming to me so sorry. <laughs> but um you know that's I think they did a good job. It had good pacing. It does have good pacing for an open world part because I will say I agree with you, Brittany. It's a lot easier for them to steer a linear level and make that pacing feel 
really good because they know exactly where you probably are at all times. But with an open world, you can kind of like linger around, be spending 20 minutes at a fucking tree doing whatever. God knows what. (laughs) Like you you could be doing whatever. They can't control it anymore. And it makes it a lot harder to keep pacing at a rate that feels good. They're just real good at that pacing, man. Hold Mm -hmm. my hand. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Well, yay, Andrew. I'm glad you're liking it. It's a great game. When are we going to play zero to 50? Hard. Oh, God. Nope. I'll it's play a Gears Rite of Passage. We I've have to do it. I, I've done those before. I've never made it to 50. No. You haven't? No. Oh, my gosh. No, we could dude. Put it, that we takes could put so it on long. The, no. Yeah, but we could put it on the easiest difficulty. We don't have to, like, try to prove nothing to nobody. We could just do zero to 50 on, on beginner or whatever they have in Horde. I haven't uh, booted it up yet. But, like... Every Gears that I've played, I've gone zero to 50 in at least one session, if not multiples. So well, I'll support I will be you in there with you. But if it takes too long, I'm out. <laughs> I will support you from afar. This is I like can't. a raid, Simon. You can't go into a raid being like, well, guys, well, then you um, need I have to, to block time hours. <laughs> Look at my calendar. Find some time. Block <laughs> it off. You'll get that amount of time and no more. OK, <laughs> oh. so sometime so sometime in November. Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> November. We will be doing this. I'll pick I a weekend in November. Britt will fly down and we'll do zero to 50. I'm just going to drink. Good. No, no, no. I get too frustrated. I hate losing progress. If I get to wave like 49 and we lose, I'll probably quit what's good. Like, I can't do it. I can't. No, but you. But you don't lose progress. You just start the wave over. Oh, see, that's different. Okay. I just stay away from anything. It's like horde wave mode. Whoa. Because generally it means you have to start over. And then I get very upset. I mean, like, I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't get increasingly more difficult. And there's like boss waves every, um, it's either every five or every ten waves. I haven't looked at all the specifics for the for for Gears 5 horde. But um, no, you don't like start from zero. You just start the wave over. <laughs> oh, so it's not okay. So there's not fifty waves. It's fifty section things uh, no, with no, waves are, within. No, there are fifty waves. But like, um, but the thing is, is each each wave and each section of waves is a little bit different, and um, they kind of they change up the maps and they change up a okay. bunch of different things. And that's it's fine. great. That's great. Yeah. As long as you don't have to start from number one, then I'm okay. Oh no, it's not. It's not a roguelike. It doesn't. It's not that punishing. Where if you if you go up, like you get to wave twenty seven and you lose or you die, you don't start from zero. You just start that that wave over again. Okay, I can I can swallow that pill. Yeah, yeah, it'll be yeah. fun. Okay, okay, it'll be fun. She said. <laughs> I just laugh. <laughs> um. So, but the real big game. That I think everyone's playing this week, or at least a lot of people we know are playing, and that we are playing, of course, is Borderlands 3. Oh, my God. Is that the sound? Let the mayhem begin. I just sounded like a cat. Oh, wow. We're getting a whole disco up in here. Yeah. Well, listen, Borderlands is known for their, uh, their shenanigans, their dubstep, their crazy marketing materials. And uh, I'm was super pumped for this game. One of my most anticipated games of 2019, and so far, I'm still in all of the areas that I've played in preview events. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. <laughs> this is why I don't like preview events. Preview events bother me. I know. Me. What level uh, are you at? Um, so I'm like level eight, I believe. Okay. And like a big shout out and thank you to 2K and Gearbox. I had a fantastic time 
working with them at the Borderlands Reveal event earlier this year. They, of course, sent us codes. Uh, they sent me a really fancy diamond loot chest edition, which I'm going to do an unboxing on probably on my Instagram. Um, I didn't find it until recently because I had to go to the mailbox and get it, and then it got lost in my sea of cardboard and boxes, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot that this thing was here. <laughs> and I dug my... Um, so I have the Claptrap robot. I don't know if you guys remember. They released him, yeah. I think, when they did... Uh, he was the, on our set. Yeah, yeah. he used to be on the set back in San Francisco, and so I found him. I thought his arms were missing for a second, and then I dug through a bunch of other boxes, and they had wrapped his arms separately for some reason. <laughs> they didn't want them to break <laughs> off. But um, so he, he's got all of his parts. I just got to put new batteries in, and um, I'm going to uh, do something fun with him. But I'm super excited about Borderlands 3 and uh, getting to dive in and play, and I just love this franchise and love everything. And I thought that there was a bunch of people criticizing the humor in this game mm-hmm. saying it's too like frat party to like 90s or 2000s and like just doesn't play today and i'm like i don't know maybe i my sense of humor is just bad then no that, <laughs> i, I, I tweeted that out i tweeted that this game just 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 gets me in my humor just 100 percent. you know it's so i find it so funny and it's so rare that a game i think um uses this kind of sense of humor and really embraces it and i think it's great and i i love it i'm laughing all the time i love all the dick jokes the fart jokes the poop jokes bring them on but i guess you know if you're not used to borderlands if you've never played borderlands you and that's not your kind of sense of humor and that's all the game is then you know you're not i'll be curious to see what i think because i haven't been able to dive into it yet i was Mm -hmm. trying to focus on gears and then work has taken over my life uh so i was supposed to play with you last night andrea and i just i stayed at work till like 10 30 so i did not but um i am looking forward no, to diving into stammer. it and, and adulting too hard you now so many adult things god i could list off all the adult things that i have done this sounds dirty it's not um i wish can i get some more of those adult activities in my life please <laughs> I told I told you that now that I'm here, I'll wing woman for you whenever you want. Let's yeah, go. Girl. Just keep me in your back pocket, Simon, and I'll tell everyone how amazing you are. Man, we got this whole. I'll just down. do like a voice recording, and I'll oh, like yeah. pull my phone up, and it'll be like introducing. <laughs> Hello, this is Kristen Simon. <laughs> but I'm having a lot of fun. I'm playing it co-op, and um, I haven't had any issues with it. Well, that's not true, actually. Jason's game has been kind of. I'm always the host of the games because like I demand it. And so generally, if there ever are connection issues, it's usually on his end. And we had a lot with Gears. We've only had a few with Borderlands 3. So that's that's been great. But no, it's just really fun. He started off as um, the siren, Amara. And then she was a little too, in his words, boring for him. So he jumped into Flack, the Beastmaster. And he's having a lot more fun with um, Flack. I'm Moe's the gunner because, of course, I am. And you get this big robotic teddy bear thing. Well, I don't know if it's a teddy bear. I call it a teddy bear. I think it's just a bear. And you can climb into it, and then you just get to, like, rain grenades and machine guns on everyone. And then you can actually have a turret put in your back. So if I'm, you know, playing with anyone, they can, like, hop in and, like, start shooting stuff all around us. It's just so much fun. And The Last Borderlands came out seven years ago, and I've played them all but the pre-sequel because the whole thought of oxygen just kind of, like, stressed me out. Because in the pre-sequel, you know, you lose oxygen constantly, and I just... I just played as Claptrap. I know, and that's what I need to do. I That's what I need to do. But, um... So, so far to me, as someone who's just played the games once, and I haven't been, you know, like, following it so closely to the fact, like, I know what's different this time around, besides the stuff we've talked about lately, uh, it just feels like more Borderlands, and that's not a bad thing. That's honestly what I wanted. I love that there's different biomes in this game. I just got to Promethea, 
And so, you know, this is something that I also played at the preview event. So I haven't seen anything yet that's just kind of like totally blown my skirt up because I've already seen all this stuff before. But it's been fun. Yeah. That's my hard part is like I'm really looking forward to getting past like level 20 where I get to see like the new new guns and the better abilities and everything else. But so far, so good. Yeah. Having a lot of fun. It's great. Yeah. I want to dive. I think I want to be Flack just based on what you guys have said. I think Flack is the only choice for you. They have all the animal friends. I like the animal friends. Steimer, you always talk about how you're like wanting to be one with the animal friends. So obviously, (laughs) yes, Flack is the choice for you. Flack and me are going to be one. We're going to be the same person. Yeah. It's cute. Whenever Jason has his little, I think it's a skag he summons out there. You can name it whatever you want. You can pet him or touch him. Like these little hearts come up and he does like little tricks. He even pees on you sometimes. It's adorable. Yeah. Brittany, are we going to maybe play this game together? I would like to say yes. I would like to say yes. I, you know the little jig? Yeah, girl, you keep dancing like that. I'll don't you, do don't you get your pretty little head excited about this. She ain't going to play with you. Not, no, that's not true. But the thing is, I'm playing on Xbox, and you guys are playing on PlayStation, right? Well, well I have a copy for Xbox. So once they implement cross-save, let's go. No, this is the perfect kind of game. I think, you know, well, I guess they're all kind of okay. So this is me throwing out some bullshit, like, redemption thing here. But I feel like, you know, you could just fire this game up, do a few missions, and then be done with it. You don't, you know, you don't have to be like, okay, we're going to do this mission, and this mission's going to take this long. It's just like, you can just jump in and play and blow shit up, and it's a good time. Exactly. That's what I need in my life too. I need a little a little shooty McShoot. Yeah. It's great. A shooty McShoot. Yes. That's a new genre. Shooty mm-hmm. McShoot. It is. Mm. All right. But yeah, I think uh next week will be we'll have more to talk about when maybe we're at new areas. Maybe not. Maybe we won't have any time to play between now and then. We'll see. Andrew's moving. Who knows? It's true. The fact that I was able to set all this gear up, and I'll take a photo of this and I'll text it to you so we can like send it out. It's a hot, it's a hot mess because I was like frantically trying to get all this equipment together. But um, hey, I made it work, everybody. You did it. You're yeah, here. you did. And I didn't even do my hair. I went like oh natural today. I know. I was telling you, it looks really cute. It's Thanks. a good look. It goes really nice with my fantastic Astro ID headset that oh. I got at Pax. Pax West, thank you, Astro, for hooking us up with these. Um, All right, so, Brittany, you've been tweeting all week about deadly premonitions. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, here's the thing. I talked about this last week, and I really don't have anything else to add, except for, well, I have a few things. I can't freaking figure (laughs) out this game. I don't know how to express how (laughs) I like it. If you, if Andrea or Steimer were to come up to me and be like, what do you like about this game? Like, why would you recommend this game? I would just stare at you. And but I, I told ha- you, didn't I describe, I can't remember what I said. Didn't I describe it? And you were like, that's the perfect way to describe it. Yeah, but week. I already forgot what it was. I forgot it too. God. Someone it. find a clip and send it back to us. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's ugly. It doesn't run that well. You know, maybe. And here's the thing is maybe. And I, I talked about this for like 10 minutes during my Patreon video yesterday. Um, the exclusive vlog. But I don't know if all of like the bad things about this game that should I should view as bad is overshadowing the brilliance of the writing and the voice acting in the story. I don't know. I am confused. I am just a very poor, confused soul right now. 
that I love this game. It's beautiful, and I just want to take care of it and nurture it and rock it to sleep every night <laughs> and, like, feed it applesauce by the spoonfuls. I don't know. Is it but, in a coma? Why is it getting applesauce? But uh, I love applesauce. <laughs> it's like So <laughs> I think what I said was if you are of the camp that is into it, it's so bad it's good. But then if you are not, it's just bad. Like, it's just one of those games where that's how people feel about it. Like, either you love all the flaws and the quirks of it, which are very much present, or you're just like, no, this is just a bad game. But that's like a Yakuza thing, too, right? This idea that there's a a fundamentally broken, whereas I feel like Deadly Premonition is kind of broken in some ways. Or at least It, it was. I don't know if they fixed that in the updated i would hope that they know so this on the switch version it's not the director's cut and i heard that that's kind of the best version but what i what i've done in this game that has made my life so much easier is last week i found out well last week i talked about the map and how the map is just kind of a hot mess because you know if you have to go from point a to point b you can't push a button and it won't like give you little breadcrumbs and tell you where to go like you just literally have to like rotate the map and follow the street and figure it out and it's hard when you're trying to go somewhere Anyway, I discovered the fast travel, so that's made my life a lot easier. And then I've discovered that you can do missions that give you infinite ammo. So not that this game's hard anyway, but now that I just have infinite machine gun and magnum ammo and everything else, I'm just Ooh, magnum blowing ammo. everything up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is kind of mm, Who spooky. wants a chocolate ice cream bar? Me. I mean, that's not what any of us were thinking about, Andrea. But no, okay. <laughs> yeah, but I like that you made that more PG. Thank you. Good job. Listen, we have a one-star review. Uh, We're trying to combat, okay? Oh, that's true. Apparently hey, he didn't say anything much. about dick things, dick references. He just didn't like it's swearing. True. Is dick a swear word? No. 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 It's an anatomy. It's an anatomy. But no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a game that's challenging me as a human, and um, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful game. That's all. Andrea, you, yes. a little while ago, finished this game called Creature in the Well. And I did. I was actually surprised because when I, so you and I have been to a few indie events where this game was, and I always I was watching it and I was like, this looks neat, but I feel like I would get incredibly frustrated playing it and quit. So I would love to hear your rundown of the creature in the well. Yeah, so I really fell in love with this game back at Judges Week, uh, pre-E3, back in May earlier this year. So this is from a very small team, essentially two people. Well, they had a, they had additional help, obviously, but the, the co-creators are a team called Flight School, and they're from Canada, and Pop Agenda represents this game, and they sent me a code, and they were like, hey, do you want to play Creature in the Well on your Nintendo Switch? And I said, yes, I do. Thank you so much for the code. And so this has been a game that I've been able to finish because I've been traveling so much over the last three weeks, back and forth with moving and being on planes, going to packs, etc., that I've been able to bring my Switch with me and play this game. I did finish the final level on my television with the Pro Controller because... Oh boy, does the difficulty (laughs) ramp up quite spectacularly at the very end of this game. But if you guys don't remember when we talked about it the first time, it's kind of a top-down isometric, uh, very uh, hand-drawn, almost like a comic book art style, and it's a pinball action mechanic. You play as a character, a little robot called Botsy, and you're part of a class of robot engineers that ran this machine. And when the machine is fully operational, it keeps the storms at bay that protect this tiny little town from being covered in sand. So when you you kind of wake up in this cave and 
You make your way into the town that's covered in this giant sandstorm. You can't see the sky. It's just like dust and brown and sand everywhere. No one in the town is around. All the doors are locked tight. You get into the mountain where the machine is, and you meet this Philip Frog character who's like, ah, oh, this creature has taken over and shut down the machine. You know, good luck in, you know, repelling the creature, essentially. The story is um, pretty light in the beginning, but it gets pretty interesting. And so you get to pick up little tidbits of lore along the way. But the basic action mechanic is that you have a, uh, two kinds of weapons. You have a charge weapon and a strike weapon, I believe. And the idea is that you hit these balls, like these tiny little ping pong type balls. Not ping pong, but I mean, they kind of look like ping pong, though they're supposed to be like pinballs. And then you charge up energy with electricity with them to infuse energy into these bumpers and each of the different dungeons that you go through in the mountain kind of reigniting the machine is a different style of gameplay a different puzzle and i really love that they kind of took this pinball mechanic of hitting these bumpers back and forth and using these bank shots and aiming your shots and infusing it into a dungeon crawler in a sense it's a really kind of a mashup of genres i don't want to call it a roguelike or even a roguelite because it doesn't feel that way but there certainly are some challenges if you die in the game like if you get hit too many times um by objects or um, obstacles the creature will have this with one hand they'll pick you up They'll toss you outside, <laughs> and then you have to run all the way back in. So that was like my one kind of gripe about the how, game. Like, how long did it take you to figure out where the health was in that game? It took me eight deaths. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, where is it? Where it is it? Where's the pro tip from Andrea Renee? So <laughs> when you die, when the very first area you walk into where the Philip the Frog is janitor and he's like mopping back and forth. There's a little pool of like milky white substance that you step in <laughs> and then it like heals you. It immediately reminded me of the the milky white substance in the Vex worlds in Destiny. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, the, the robots need to be with the milky white substance and it repairs the robots like in Destiny. And so I, I it clicked for me instantly. But the idea that the game doesn't tell you how to heal was a little frustrating. Oh, yeah. And I almost looked up a walkthrough to be like, wait a minute, I'm clearly doing something wrong because I, I get back out and my health is all the way down and I've died and now I have to run back and the game's not telling me how to heal. So that was a little frustrating. and It was an interesting choice, but it really made me feel accomplished in a sense that I normally hate. Because you guys know me. You guys have heard me talk about games. I don't like games that punish me. I don't like games that force me to die to learn. I don't like games that don't tell me how to do basic mechanics. I get frustrated by those things. I'm like, I want to play the game and test my skill. But this game, I think, strikes a really fine balance between being challenging and being unapproachable. And I think that they make the game challenging enough to keep you on the hook to keep going dungeon to dungeon, but they don't make it so overwhelmingly difficult that you're like, fuck this game, controller down, I'm done. I did get to a point near the end where I got pretty frustrated because, as I mentioned, the difficulty in the final dungeon ramps up pretty spectacularly. What I do like about it is that they give you the opportunity to go back into other levels and to like uncover secret paths, to upgrade your weapon, to upgrade your bot core. Because you need to be fully upgraded 
you have to have unlocked all of the secrets and gotten all of the upgrades to make it through the boss level unless you're mm-hmm. just wicked good with your reflexes because it's really challenging. But I really love it. I thought it was great. I think like if I could like ask for them to do anything differently, it would have been nice for them to have a little bit more story about like to have a little bit more explanation yeah as to what happens at the very end of the game i don't want to say too much because it might give it away but there were some things left unexplained that i was like i wanted to see more and i was like oh well that was kind of a bummer like i did all this work doing all these things and unlocking all these things in these dungeons and i'm like little engineer guy did all the stuff but like it still kind of left me like not satisfied with how the story resolved but despite that, I felt compelled to 100% this game. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, because again, I know you, Andrea, and like you always talk about those things you don't like. And when I saw this game, I was like, this looks like a game Andrea's not going to like. And then you were like, I love this game so much. I'm 100% of it. And I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah. I started this game, but I got through the first, are they monoliths? It was like a week ago. I don't yeah. remember. Mm-hmm. I did the first monoliths. one. Yeah. And for me, there just wasn't enough, like, story. Because, you know, I need a story in my games. I I don't play a lot of puzzle games unless it's, like, Peggle. Because I just need, like, a reason to come back. And for me, like, trying to get, like, a better score or whatever. It just does, doesn't do it for me. But I, I was having a lot of fun with the gameplay. And I like The pinball thing was super fun. But I didn't want to have to try so hard to, like, hit the ball, like, in the right spot. <laughs> I was just kind of like, like, wow, this is so much fun. Just like blindly hitting the ball. And it was really, it, and then I would get into it, like, okay, now I see more I have to do. Um, so for me, what was frustrating was I was just trying to play this game casually. And it sounds like, you know, as the game proceeds, you really can't play it super casually. You have to get good with like the movements and the dodging or whatever it is you do. And so whenever I would die, you know, I'd get brought out and then I'd have to like run back in. And then it took me forever to figure out how the hell I heal myself. I healed myself. I ran back in. And then I would, because I didn't have, like, the mindset of, like, okay, I have to really concentrate on how I'm going to do this. And, like, granted, like, these games usually just, like, I'm not the best at them. Like, I've played, like, maybe three match three games in my entire life. You know, and that was that cooking game we played a very long time ago. Um, so, Did you talk about Legend of Soulguard? No. Oh, no, no, no. I forgot about Soulguard. See, I didn't even remember that one. No, I played that a lot. No, no, not that one. The, the cooking one we did. Battle um, Chef Brigade. Oh, yeah, Battle Chef Brigade. That was yeah. the first time I ever played a game like that. Anyway, so I think what would have been helpful for me and the people like me, now granted, this probably wasn't the vision the developers had, so I'm not saying this should have been an option, but it would have been nice if there would have been like a baby ass baby mode or something, or even like an infinite health where I could just kind of like go in and like free ball it, no pun intended, I guess. Yeah, free ball it with Scooter in the well. And just kind of enjoy the gameplay for what it was and not have to worry about dying and then being brought back and then having to run through. But the gameplay itself was, it was fun. I like the pinball part of it, but that's just me. I No, I feel you. The, the story was very light, and I wish that they had done a little bit more work in, in building the story, for sure. And I Because I think that they built a really nice foundation and then just didn't see it through at the end. Like, there were some characters that they introduced that you get to talk to, and I'm like, but I want to know more about that. And, like, there weren't enough dialogue options I mean, but the thing I kept reminding myself is this is an incredibly small team. And I think that what they did is they proved that they have a proof of concept that 
people liked playing this game. It got reviewed fairly well for most people. And hopefully, if it sells well, they'll be able to invest more in building out the narrative, building new levels, adding maybe more more dungeons and more things to unlock. And that's like, I think that the big challenge with indie development is like how much, how many features can we build into this game without overextending ourselves? Do we do just a couple things and do them really well? Or do we try to do our entire vision and maybe not Mm -hmm. execute it as fully as we want? But I enjoyed it and it's only $14.99. So I think for 15 bucks, the price of like a single glass of wine in the San Francisco (laughs) Bay area. Wow. Yes. Like, when you equate it to that, it's like, dang, you know what? That's money well spent to support um, <laughs> indie development in a game that I had a lot of fun with. But um, I understand your frustrations, and like, I get that like the story was lacking. I've read some of the criticisms about the game, and they're valid. Like, I'm not trying to to downplay that. I just really enjoyed it, and something about this gameplay just really snagged me in a way. Like, very few games that are puzzle based that are really challenging like this really encouraged me to keep playing because I want to finish it. The last game that I played like this that was like challenging but kept going for me was Celeste. I'm I'm not trying to compare Celeste to Creature in the Well. I think Celeste is head and shoulders above where Creature in the Well is. I think, you know, it, that game was a game of the year contender. You know, Celeste was for a very specific reason, for a lot of reasons actually. But there was there was feeling some stirrings inside me (laughs) that I felt while playing creature in the well that I was like, normally this is a game that Andrea Renee would be like, meh, I'm done. I don't have time for this bullshit. I don't want to, I don't want to like tax myself so hard, (laughs) but something about this game made made me come back and play it and wanted to keep playing it. So I had a good time with it. Good for you, dear. Yeah. And what the thing we're not recognizing and that we won't get to talk about until next week is that Apple Arcade launches tomorrow. <laughs> so we're recording the show Wednesday night. I'm super pumped about Apple Arcade. The Apple event happened last week, and we didn't. I didn't get to talk about it on the show. And I'm getting all of these emails from developers being like, please check out our game on Apple Arcade. And I'm super pumped to um, sign up for the subscription. It's only five bucks a month, and really check those out. I know that I'm one of the few people in the video games industry that actually appreciates and likes mobile games, ah. despite the fact that hundreds of millions of people play <laughs> them around the world um but i'm i'm pumped to check that out so hopefully um we'll have some stuff to talk about next week if you either of you checking out apple arcade no we talked about it last week and both were like it's really cool great price great offerings great developers on board just not for us but if yeah. you find a game on there you're like oh my god british summer would love this let me know sway me i will i will sway you girl sway me yeah All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. We are going to do our shout outs for our mythic patrons and above next week on the show because apparently Sam is too sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Some context. So the last like 10 minutes of this, we all have our open Google Doc and we're all typing stuff. And I typo because my nails are so damn long right now that I can barely like live my life without scratching my face off. I have to get them like done. So am turned into sam and i sam too sweaty to do a third segment i'm literally <laughs> too sweaty it's not good 
So we're going to have our Patreon voted segment on next week's show. There's still time to get your votes in. Patreon.com slash What's Good Games. And it's going to be a good one without a doubt. But for now, I think that's going to do it. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into this week's show. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast service. <laughs> and we love you guys. And we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Goodbye. Goodbye. 